The following is a paid program and does not necessarily reflect the opinions of the staff or management of visionary-related entertainment. Aloha Maui Nui. Hello, this is Josh Porter. And Jason Burkhart. Welcome to the Solar Coaster. This is, uh, I think it's episode 122. I'm not think, actually sure. I think that's what you wrote, but I told you yeah. to stop counting yeah. numbers. We're here uh, in studio talking about uh, another Maui electric show. We're going to have uh, Matt McNeff, who is the current or the newly appointed uh, director of Maui County within Maui Electric. Uh, and uh, he's kind of, um, uh, you know, answering to Sharon, really. Sharon Suzuki, who is yep. the president. She's taking on a new role uh, in the HECO companies of uh, jurisdiction on the neighbor islands of both Maui County and Hawaii, uh, Big Island. Yep. And so she has that kind of overarching kind of reach towards to both of these uh, grids, which, which actually encapsulates a number of distinct grids, right? Hawaii Island and then uh, Maui uh, Island. And then uh, we have uh, Molokai and Lanai all have their individual grids. Yep. So that um, anyway, Maui um, is uh, is being run by Matt. And we're going to get a chance to hear from him and and uh, learn about his background and some of his ideas for what's happening with all this yeah, cool a little, stuff. A little sense of where, where we're going as well. Yeah. 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 <laughs> for yeah. Sure. So that'll be really cool. Let's jump right into it. Um, ready to go? Yep. yep. Hey, folks, we are The Solar Coaster, a renewable energy theme talk show right here in lovely Maui County. can be found Fridays at 1.05 p.m. on Kaoi, 11.10 a.m. Also some FM stations, 96.7 FM Central Maui, 96.5 FM Westside, 98.7 FM Upcountry. www.solar-coaster.com is where you can find all our old shows, more than 120 deep at this point. Uh, if we've talked about we've talked about pretty much everything in renewable energies these days if you have an interest in something whether it's solar or wind or really wacky electric vehicles we've talked about it uh go out there www.solar-coaster.com you can also listen live to this show if you were out of our broadcast area uh and we are available on podcast networks itunes stitcher and tune in all carry the solar coaster there you go you listen live on our stream on our website right there you go yep. yeah just the big listen live button Couple I, think, of, I, think it's, I think it's orange. A couple of great sponsors <laughs> out there, uh, Sundrum Solar, Pantech Design, and LG Chem. Uh, and they are doing some really cool projects all around the world. Uh, let's jump in and hear from a Pantech Design Minute. Welcome to this week's Pantech Design Minute. This week's focus, smart home lighting controls. Did you know that each and every home has on average 40 to 100 light fixtures? Added up, that can be a huge amount of energy. That's why your father always yelled at you to turn off the lights when you were a child. Children will always leave the lights on, even in the middle of the day. So what's the solution? Fortunately, in our automated energy future, we now have other options. Smart home systems know your schedule and the sunrise sundown time specific to the time of year. Occupancy sensors detect whether you are in a room or not and can take action accordingly without ever sending your personal data out over the internet. Programmable scenes configure your lighting for a bright night hosting friends for dinner or a subdued and quiet night at home with a movie. You can even have the systems play back your normal behavior while you're on vacation so it looks like someone's home. This already sounds like science fiction, but with the Pantech Design's ADAPT system, you can take it even one step further because ADAPT integrates your smart home systems with your solar and battery energy supply. 
Did you know that because your eyes adjust to varying lighting conditions, if you do it slowly enough, you can reduce ambient lighting in a room by more than 30% before anyone will ever notice the difference? And did you also know that because of the way they function, LED lighting takes a lot more power to get just a little brighter when fully on? Putting these two facts together, Adapt can reduce the energy used by your lighting by more than half when necessary, extending your home's battery runtime or saving on your electric bill. Smart home energy management has matured. Check out Pantech Design's Adapt system at Pantech Design com today. That's Pantech Design. They're doing some really cool stuff, and we're excited to see them at SPI this year. Absolutely. I really, really want the system, though. I see so much sun in that afternoon. Oh, <laughs> I just, right. I just want it to know when there's when there's sun in room and, and close shades. Have the shades go down. Have the shades go down. I mean, that, that, that alone would be so beneficial. Yeah, I'm excited for Pantech Design because th there have been a number of um, virtual power plant projects for their partner shown and announced across the U.S. These yep. are the first true VPPs that are being. It's, there's like VPP uh, like like hot stuff going on right now. It's all over. They just announced one also for a different product uh, in in Hawaii, which yep. is Sunrun, right? Yep. Sunrun and probably the LG Chem product, another sponsor of ours. So um, the really cool thing about Panther Design is they may have the opportunity to to really put in a, a lot of their technology in some of these VPP. Uh, uh, projects across right, the but if you're but if you're already doing that, you're going to get solar. You're going to get energy storage. You would you would get this. It's it's not for free, but it's it's a massive added bonus, <laughs> added value, right? Yeah, yeah. for sure. If, if, you're gonna, if you're going to do it, do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, cool stuff. I want to have uh, robotic shades. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> all right, let's jump over to our news and events. All right, right away. Um, We'll hold the hurricane note for just a second. Um, I want to talk about this. The solar power in Taiwan surpassed the generating capacity of their largest nuclear fission plant on Monday because it was blazingly, blazingly hot and sunny. Uh, it makes a lot of sense. But two gigawatts worth of power was generated, more than two gigawatt was generated um, by solar power alone and actually left to them with a surplus of about 13, a little more than 13%, which is huge. That's, a, that's a plenty of reserve power for spikes and such. Um, just a tremendous amount of solar and a really real achievement for Taiwan as a whole. Uh, yeah, it's kind of cool. I mean, it's kind of an interesting idea to think that PV can eclipse what nuclear is providing at a given moment. Sure. Of course, that's not the full picture, but it is uh, It is interesting to note that that is the world that we live in right now. Yeah, absolutely. And, and then also they do note down here, uh, uh, two-year PV promotion project launched by the government has expired, but the, uh, the Ministry of Economic yeah, Affairs talking about the overall PV promotion plan in Taiwan, the um, original target of achieving 20 gigawatts in solar of, by 2025 remains unchanged. 20 gigawatts. And Taiwan is not a big country, right? So it's not like land area, not really, um, but they do have a tremendous draw. They, they, they pull a lot of power, they generate a lot of power, and they use a lot of power. Right. So they're doing a lot out there, and I guess that kind of proves it. So very it's cool. Really, it's really cool. What I, what I like about this the most is that it was a really hot day, a really sunny day, and the solar stepped up to handle a lot of the air conditioning needs. Right, right. And it, it just, has that potential, doesn't ab it? Absolutely. Okay, well, uh, which is your next uh, article that you would like well, to talk let's about? Talk, we need to talk about the elephant in the room. Uh, Hurricane Dorian absolutely slammed the Bahamas. Uh, we keep seeing this yeah, more and more. Holy moly. Um, really, really unfortunate, of course, but I mean, it's, this is kind of the world we're living in now. We're, we're, what was it last week came out? The, the climate crisis is now what we're calling it instead of just oh, climate language? change. Um, and, and that makes more sense to me. It is, it, it's a call. Uh, to action, it's urgency, um, and we're going to see more of these these weather events as we go forward. So help our hearts certainly go out to the folks of the Bahamas. Um, 
I have heard reports that uh, Bahamas Power and Light, they, they were not doing well before this mm-hmm. uh, this storm. I mean, they, they had actually issued a press release way back on August 13th apologizing pro- pro- for prolonged load shedding and lingering problems with power generation. Uh, they've had a 40 megawatt uh, shortfall uh, because of a couple generators that haven't been functioning properly yeah. for, for a good long time. And so they have blackout issues and everything else, and then they got hit with this. So it's just not a good scene. Um, on NASA, they... Uh, Eyewitness News has been on the ground there, and they were reporting that they have power back across approximately 80%. I have the um, BPL, Bahamas Power and Light, website in front of me right now, and it says, at this time, we have no way to reliably estimate how long it will take our team to get power restored. Mm. Know that we are working hard to get things back to normal, and we appreciate your patience. That's all. So they they can't even show outages. It's kind of amazing that these types of activities, these uh, weather events, extreme weather events, Category 5 hurricanes, mm-hmm. for example, are now becoming so commonplace that it's like this is just almost an annual process, yeah. right? That is terrifying. And these these communities are devastated. I mean, I, if you see any of that video footage, it's like, you know, it's, it's just, just com- heartbreaking. Complete yeah. annihilation. So, you know, what does this say? Are they? I think the question that's starting to be brought up is when they rebuild this grid, are they going to be able to do take some of the lessons learned from, for example, uh, was it uh, who was the fellow that came on from BP? I want to say BP. Oh, geez, yeah. the uh, Virgin-owned yes. group. Um, uh, Bruce Levy is his name. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe some of his. See, we should give Bruce a call and find out how his systems are doing down yeah, there. Absolutely. Um, and then also, you know, what do what, what they learn from Puerto Rico and the uh, the new grid infrastructure that they're deploying out down there now, which Kyle Dada spoke about uh, here on our show. You yeah. know, so uh, there's a lot of yeah. And, and there were a couple of interesting things that came out of this, even even locally here, um, that they have a. Um, 645 kilowatt rooftop array on uh, San Juan's uh, VA hospital uh, in Puerto Rico. And they, even though they were hit by such incredible winds, that system continued to function. And the, the, the difference was the racking systems. Oh. And so it has nothing to do with the panels itself. It's all how you mount them. If you don't cut corners and you don't buy cheap racking and best practices. skin things, yes, best practices for this stuff, know that these events will eventually come. Yeah. It's no longer a may, it's a will. Um, you want to have the right system in place to, to maintain your, uh, your energy supply. It's remarkable to think that that could actually be up and running. And I, <coughs> if I recall correctly, Bruce Levy had said that it was some of the things outside of just the basic, uh, you know, standards of work, work, work practices. He said, you know, some things we did discover, and that was like vents around the electrical equipment that could be blown off and get when water could enter sure, in. Or, sure. And I just spoke with uh, Matias, who had a great show with him about the, the Country Club uh, new pavilions, 147 kW that went in. Mm-hmm. He was talking about standards and practices as well as being really, really key. So I think yeah, we're learning that's, that's as we that, grow. Right. And, and that's, that's what you're really going to start seeing is as these systems are going in, even the new ones, especially the new ones, because we're following these new practices, we'll see how they survive in the real world. And, and learn. And learn. And can get better figure it out, and right? figure out and get better in every, every choice, generation tracking types all of it all day long. so very good very good let's uh we're gonna stay in this article because it was kind of a combination of things right yep you wanted to jump down and see what's going on with tokyo uh well tokyo you know i go to japan a decent amount of time and tokyo uh has has now announced that the 2020 olympic games will be the first games powered exclusively by renewable sources uh okay. so a swimming news swim swam out of out of japan 
saying that to Toyota will provide a wide range of zero emission vehicles for the Olympic Games. So that would be their electrics, their hybrid, I would assume not their hybrids, but the, uh, the hydrogen. hydrogen, hydrogen is what I want to say, um, their hydrogen vehicles, et cetera, et cetera. And then all elect electricity during the Olympic Games will be supplied by renewable sources such as solar, biomass, and hydropower. So there are lumping biomass in there, which, yeah. is, which is burning stuff. But um, it, it sounds really interesting that they're taking this, this target <laughs> to make the entire Olympic Games. Um, and, and there's there's a little bit of backlash. Some people don't think they're, nef they're necessarily going to make it. How do you differentiate it? Who's keeping track? Uh, et cetera, et cetera. Well, you know, the Olympics are, as, as I understand it, a, you know, it's a coming together of, of global society, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so it's a perfect opportunity to showcase our best, right? right? Yeah. And so this is like, you know. Isn't that is, what it's all about? Yeah. Well, kind of, right? <laughs> and then so if, for, if, if Japan can... Can, uh, there's a whole bunch of metaphors in front of me, but if Japan can grab that opportunity, then you know, good on them. That's yeah, fantastic. Absolutely, I, I think there's some really interesting things. I want to see closer, close up what's going on here. The Olympic Village is uh, is supposed to be a sustainable kind of inner city model for housing, and they have That's interesting, right. weird things like seawater heat pumps to, to for, for air cooling, uh, food waste powered biogas stuff, uh, nationally sourced timber, which I'm not. I guess they would. We got to get out Japan. there. And yeah, be a part absolutely. Of that. absolutely. Let's go to the Olympics, Josh. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> well, uh, let's talk a little bit about SPI and what's going on with one of our former sponsors, uh, Pika Energy, was acquired by Generac, I think, in April or May of this year, yep. and it looks like Generac is. And they've and they've been pretty quiet since. We don't know what's quiet. going on. Of course, uh, you know we have a buddy of ours uh, that works for Pika. He, he hasn't really chirped up too much. I know he's probably listening to this podcast now. Uh, hi, but, <laughs> hi. Uh, so uh, we will see. Um, we're going to hear from them. Uh, mm -hmm. Generac's going to talk. Going to talk about this uh, new battery system. Obviously, it's going to. Yeah, I'm excited to see what kind of integration there is with the. That's the uh, thing. It looks very looks the, the photo that they have here looks nothing like the old Pika system. Looks like they've gone through some major rework. Um, it's it seems to be intelligent solar battery system. So they're they're, they're touting this intelligence word. It's very prominently featured. They took featured. the colors. They took the colors. They, 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 they took did. The, the the overall dimensions of the box. Right. Uh, it looks the same. The dimensions. Sure. But they put the colors of Generac on it. Right. Which I kind of like better. I got to be honest with you. I never liked the light blue of Pika. Oh, no offense, Pika. I was wearing my shirt yesterday. I know you are, <laughs> but I think that this looks good, and I think okay. that what's going to be really interesting is to see how this is where we get into the inside scoop of these industries. We don't, we haven't got any info, so we can postulate or speculate all we like. <laughs> yeah, and that but, is all we're doing. But Just but the yeah the one of the I, and I followed the development timeline of Pika pretty closely. I was very excited about their product for a variety of reasons. For those of you who haven't uh, heard about Pika recently, you know a New England based company that had a very powerful inverter and some very unique uh, uh, technology, specifically a DC rebus that allowed you to get uh, unprecedented efficiencies from panel through to storage, through to even potentially consumption, upwards of 90, I'm gonna say eight or 9% uh, potential if you're going from DC generation storage to DC consumption. DC consumption right. So very interesting, Pika, and Generac said, we wanna get in that game, and they bought them. Yep, yep. <laughs> I, I, honestly, I really thought it was gonna be Panasonic. I think I've said, right. that, I've said that before, um, because they, they had felt a like an acquisition play for a oh, long absolutely. time. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. So, but the cool thing here is that one of the developments that they've had been working on was integrating the generator to that system, and why would 
would that be relevant? That'd be relevant because these batteries, let's say you're in a prolonged outage scenario and you want to fire up your generator, you don't want to have that meeting your loads directly. You want that to meet, to power up your battery. So when you use there a is, load, if it's if it's a small load, you're not wasting all that fuel. That's yeah, that's that's the thing. If people don't understand that it's the most efficient way to run a generator is to run it at maximum and charge a storage device that you can use to kind of bleed power off of like a battery um, because it's running no matter what and if you're only running a single light bulb off your generator well you're still still running the generator but the power power is just wasted it's a good one and we've never seen i'll tell you what's exciting about this we've never seen a uh, a full uh kind of uh, offering of um, a generator and a battery and an inverter and these guys have substring optimizers they have a DC yep. rebus yep. that's a lot in one package it's a lot of technology gonna, we're going to report can, on Generac can be, can for be sure very attractive. We we'll do, see. and we do have inside of Generac a, uh, a fellow that's going to get us a good interview so by nice. the way I haven't even nice. to play that yet thank right? you alright <laughs> so let's jump over to what's going on with uh, our solar panels and agro Solar panels and food. Well, we talk about dual use a lot. Um, so food crops do better in the shade is this new study uh, coming out uh, from, actually, this is a report from PV Magazine, but this new study was done um, just recently. I don't have the date. Um, but shade is good for these. If you have, I mean, I saw it at my, at my house. You remember I moved those bananas. You move them over a couple feet, they're, uh -huh. under, the, they're under the tree. All of a sudden, they're, they're just flourishing, and it all comes from how much water you have. Um, They've been going through, going over all the numbers now, and 65 less uh, transpirational loss, water loss. So you could literally water. I love how they call them an irrigation event. They're just watering. Well, they had <laughs> but the water water the crops, and then they, it can actually support growth for days, not just hours. Right? The, we're talking about yeah, Jay. We're talking about an increase in production of. Of, of fruit and vegetables in, uh, in comparison to conventional farming. Mm -hmm. That's a pretty concrete result. And, right. in, and specifically, this Chiltepin fruit, I don't know what that is, yeah. three times greater production under PV. Yep. Uh, tomatoes, twice as great. And jalapenos. Um, same. Jalapenos were the same, but they were able to use a lot less water. That was 65% yeah. less water, which I thought was just fascinating. Um, and there's another win for this is that because of that uh, transpirational water loss, it actually keeps the temperature down of the panels themselves as well. Even though they're sitting there in the sun, they, they, they do get to release some of their heat to the water molecules floating by in the air, and they run more efficiently. Oh, no kidding. So it's a win for the crop and it's a win for the solar symbiotic yes it just absolutely needs to be love it so with <laughs> so uh, you know how do we uh, incorporate this to some of the uh, systems that well, are I'd going love in to see yeah absolutely love Maui. to see some agro agrovoltaics is what they're calling agrovoltaics them. Ag you like the photovoltaics things I'll take this one agrovoltaics um, photovoltaics versus agrovoltaics <laughs> eh, we'll have a big we'll have a big battle but I'd love to see some organic organic farming out here under under some some large solar arrays just making everybody happy I think that's probably going to happen i'm excited about that so let's talk uh, briefly here about some of the new updates with what's going on with the air conditioning in the school so maui news has an article here uh that says that uh some uh schools here in maui have put in conventional although a uh, high efficiency they say um, the current gen, but, yeah. uh well wi window air window conditioning boxes. units we call them wall <laughs> rattlers that's yeah. one terminal piece terminology go. we like <laughs> that when i say the reason i say you know uh, it says high efficiency is that it's very difficult for a window unit to be efficient in fact i don't believe the sear rating is required as a part of the labeling process for right. windows so you really don't have a, a you know from what i've seen in all of these a comparison point yeah these can't be installed in in any way that that is 
considered efficient unless you go around and, and literally remodel the windows that they're in. And sometimes uh, you put them in the walls, you make a hole. And yeah, you, know, yeah, you, you can do that. That's that's actually a little better. But but I mean, every install I've ever seen has. I mean, you just put your hand around the outside of the box, and it's right. hot, and and it's just it's not doing anything yeah. <laughs> for you. Um, but they the, the that's the reason why this choice was made. Why are they installing these after we went through the whole process of trying to get the the PVAC uh, the the photovoltaic panel powered split working units. What happened? Yeah, so this this harkens back to this original cooling in the schools initiative. I think it was like $100 million that EGA put out. This was five years ago, maybe mm -hmm. four years ago, sometime around then. Mm -hmm. And uh, they, were, they were working on incorporating new technology, PV um, air conditioning systems. And then ultimately they discovered that it was a huge infrastructure requirement to get these things in. Well, they didn't have the and wiring in the schools. Yeah, they had to rewire the school cost. buildings. There was some controversy of the bidding numbers, hundreds of thousands of dollars per classroom. I remember the news articles. Yep. Everyone got excited about that. We just got to put in air conditioning. What's the big deal? Yeah. So we come full circle now after all of that discussion. And so, and only like, uh, what is it, 11,000 of the schools have air, well, there's a number here. Certain amount of number, a certain amount of schools have got those air conditioning systems, but still there's a boatload that's don't. 200 out of 11,000 right. have air conditioning so, in them. So sometimes you can put in uh, wall rattlers, <laughs> and I guess they can do the job. Well, you no, be I think, the, the I think they're just tired of waiting. Yeah, <laughs> the, and, and some of the systems that were put in, these PV plus uh, battery systems for air conditioning, which is mm -hmm. very unique, uh, so they're having trouble with that. They're having efficiency problems. They're having maintenance contract issues. There's costs associated with those. They're not working right now. So, uh, you know, it's good to see that we're, hey, if we got another solution, let's use that too. Uh, and if it's not all wall rattlers, then I'm sure the, the uh, energy consumption is not going to be ding too much overall. Sure, but I mean, if you're putting in all this AC anywhere, I mean, you still need um, better wiring infrastructure in, in the walls where you're going to plug these things in right yeah well these are two ton 24,000 yeah. bt units uh yeah. so uh, yeah I'd, I'd, I'd like to see energy star certified yeah, I'd, I'd like to see some more it's good that the kids are getting cool yes. obviously <laughs> want to see this continue there has been progress made this is an interesting kind of uh full circle come about to say we're putting in some uh, wall rattlers <laughs> yeah right absolutely <laughs> so all righty are we back good we, uh, we yeah, got another minute here jay Real quick, um, so one other thing that's going on in the state is Johnson Controls announced a partnership to increase the amount of capital available for solar and battery storage projects. So this is um, the uh, the same company that has a partnership with the University of Hawaii, and they're basically making uh, more money available for for storage and and projects out here for the for the university campus. So our university is going to be the first 100% renewable energy campus. This yes. is helping that with more capital on hand. Yes. Very good. Just innovation points everywhere, folks. So so, hey, shall we jump over uh, to our commercial break? Come right back with Matt McNeff, uh, Director of Maui County, Maui okay. Electric. LG is a leader in the home electronics industry and manufactures some of the most popular PV panels as well as many other appliances we've come to know and appreciate over the years. The same LG brand offers the LG Chem Rezu battery line for your home energy storage needs. Here in Hawaii, their primary model is the LG 10H Rezu with 9.3 kilowatt hours of usable capacity. The LG 10H Rezu can be used both to maximize consumption of solar energy at home and also functions as a source of backup power in the event that the grid goes down. LG Chem has increased production of their battery line for Hawaii's renewable energy solar market. Contact your local solar provider to learn more about the LG Chem 10H Resu battery. Sundrum Solar is the manufacturer of a revolutionary thermal collector that fits on the underside of your standard PV panel to maximize energy capture per square foot. The Sundrum Solar Hybrid PVT system, combined photovoltaic and thermal, holds the world record for peak efficiency, capturing an astounding 86% usable energy. 
Learn how Sundrum Solar vastly improves electric, heating, and cooling economics at sundrumsolar.com. Pantech Design is ushering the world into a new age of home energy automation through the convergence of smart home technologies and renewable energy management. Unifying solar energy production, intelligent energy storage, and smart breaker technologies with smart home devices, Pantech Design's complete home energy automation suite incorporates unprecedented control of lighting, shades, climate, security, hot water, electric vehicle charging, and many other systems. Contact Pantech today at PantechDesign.com. Okay, those were our wonderful uh, sponsors. Thanks so much to, uh, to all those guys for keeping the solar coaster on the tracks. Absolutely. Okay, we are here. Um, very fortunate to have Mr. Matt McNeff. Did I say that correctly? Correct. Welcome to the Solar Coaster, Matt. Thank you. Glad to be here. Now this is a this is a big deal here. We got uh, I got the, the fellow that's been pretty much tasked to uh, to run Maui's uh, Maui's uh, electric grid, as I understand it. What's going on, Matt? A lot of stuff, a lot of stuff for renewable energy, customer service, all kinds of stuff. Okay, cool. Yeah. Well, we're going to get a chance to learn all about uh, Matt and his background and what his new role is and some of the changes uh, with organization with Maui Electric and uh, some of the, can I say HEI uh, companies? Is that the correct terminology? What shall I say? Yeah, maybe the HECO companies. HECO companies, is yeah. that the way I say it? Okay, yeah. great, because I want to make sure I do it right. We got Shana Decker in the background over there. You might hear a, a little uh, a nod of approval from time to time, <laughs> or maybe something else. <laughs> so, uh, you want to say hello, no, Shana? Don't say that. Okay, <laughs> you can hear in the background there. Okay, great. So, um, you know, Matt, we really want to get an, uh, get a handle on what's going on and some of these new changes here. There's loads we can talk about. I gave you kind of some ideas earlier in the day. Uh, but, you know, the, one of the main things is this kind of new organizational system for the utility. Can you give us a sense of kind of the broad strokes of what's going on? Um, sure. So uh, the, the HECO companies, the Hawaiian Electric companies, are sort of organizing to sort of uh, be more one company. You know, previously we've operated more like three, Maui Electric on Maui County. Uh, Helco for the Big Island and then Hiko on Oahu. And so a lot of the uh, different functional areas for Maui Electric now report uh, straight up through um, to Hawaiian Electric. Okay, mm. so, oh wow, so you're you're kind of acting like one organization at this yes, point. Yes, yes. <clears throat> and we saw that kind of evolve a bit over the years too. From the solar industry perspective, we saw that the, the, the you, were, you were starting to systematize and kind of synchronize, if I can say that, the application procedures across the island. So is that pretty much well set up at the stage of the game? Yeah, that for sure. You know, we've been doing different things over the last probably five years or so to get more in line. And then we hope to complete basically everything by the end of this year. And then is there is there a general reason why these, these uh, systems are being changed like this? Um, you know, we're trying to take, uh, make, I guess, make the most of some of the efficiencies that can be gained by, you know, standardizing our procedures mm -hmm. and our purchasing, um, using one purchasing system, uh, just make, you know, try to make the best use of the customer's money. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. So um, just for, for the sake of our listeners, uh, maybe they're tuning in, maybe they've heard some of our previous shows with Maui Electric. We've had a handful at this stage of the game. We did a Molokai micro Island Microgrid series show. We did a, a couple, an introductory show. I think it's well over a year ago now with Sharon and Greg and some of the other fine folks out there. Uh, most recently, we had Chris Reynolds on and we did a show with Chris and Greg. Uh, that was really great talking about RFP phase one for the renewables and the RFP phase two as well. So quite a, quite a bit of a background here, but for, for listeners that are tuning in and just saying, okay, we've got this person here from the utility. 
Can you give us a sense of of kind of, uh, of, of, of you know, what's what's happening and what's changing most recently in the utility and kind of what your game plan is? Um, I'd say the biggest change going forward is, you know, the, the switch from, you know, historically how we made electricity, you know, a centralized, typically fossil fuel uh, powered power, um, power plants to more uh, renewable, typically as available um, generation. And, you know, our evolving role in that primarily previously was to, uh, provide kilowatt hours and now it's more to kind of um, maybe back up some of the as availables or um, deliver those that energy through the grid to people right when you say as available can I take that to mean um, solar solar systems produce energy during the daytime energy curve so that's if it's available then we'll take advantage of it but we'll back it up for the 24-hour period yeah sure any resource that's uh, sort of dependent on uh, any generation that's dependent on some sort of resource like the wind or the sun or water. Okay, so um, what is your what is your previous role and what is your new role? Uh, previously, for the last four years or so, I was the director for a generation for Maui County. So I oversaw all the power plants for Maui County. And then uh, most recently, I've become the director for um, Maui County, which is sort of like a you know, just under the president and manage the day-to-day -day operations for Maui Electric. Well, that sounds like a big responsibility. So you've you got to look at P&Ls and stuff like that. I mean, that's like that's that's quite a that's quite a job. Because if I understand correctly, Hiko the Hiko companies represent, I think, Hawaii's largest employer and the largest company on per revenue basis as well. If I'm not mistaken, I'm not asking you to confirm that, but just so it's a pretty substantial organization as, as far as Hawaii is concerned. Mm -hmm. That's a, that's that's quite a bit that you that's kind of jumped on your and, and important because they keep the lights on. And they yeah. keep the lights on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a big deal. So um, okay, so then you got this role here in Maui. Do you have counterparts in Oahu and uh, and Big Island as well? Yes. So um, you know Sharon, she's the president of Maui Electric and Hawaii Electric Light Company. So that's um, you know Maui County and the Big Island, and I have a counterpart on for the Big Island. So similar to me, he takes care of uh, his name's Kevin Walchen. He takes care of the day to day, while Sharon is either you know at Maui Electric or attending other things on the Big Island. Mm -hmm. Okay, so. and Oahu has one as well, or no? Um, no, Not yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. So okay, so you've got so now this was kind of um, initiated, I suppose, or precipitated by Sharon's. Can we say? Uh, promotion or or new jurisdiction of covering both Maui and Big Island? Yes, I believe so. Yeah. Okay. So, how did that go about? Was that a surprise? Um, I, a su I don't think it was uh, too much of a surprise. I guess there's always been presidents for Helco and Miko, mm -hmm. and then when the president for Helco retired, I you see. know, they decided not to fill it and have Sharon fill both roles or cover both sides. And I think that's kind of going along with eventually becoming one company. You know. Right. I see. I see. And yeah, it almost half felt like that this they were creating a new position and and yet not really. <laughs> so uh, and then these two grids here, these are kind of represent the out, I guess you could say the outer islands or I think people prefer to say the neighbor islands is the kind of preferred nomenclature these days, right? So um, what you have a, for for people that are listening, uh, what what is what is the what are the Hiko companies uh, reach? Where, where what's their domain, their jurisdiction in, in its entirety? Sure. So. Um, um, Helco that covers uh, you know the island of Hawaii, uh, Hiko covers the island of Oahu, and then Maui Electric or Miko covers Lanai, Molokai, and Maui. So okay. Three grids for Maui Electric. 
Right, right. And then, of course... Yeah, those, those grids are not connected, right? So correct. They're, they're three independent systems. Yeah. And then here in Maui County, in kind of your, your jurisdiction, you have um, Lanai and Molokai and then Maui proper, and those are separate, disconnected correct. systems, right? Yep. And um, so we did a show in Molokai, and that was really interesting for us, and it gave us a great, I think, educational opportunity, probably about... What a year ago now, Jay? Six months ago? I, I yeah, a little, little, little more than that. But it just shows what what a a, a massive amount of solar will do to to a grid. Uh, problems show up much sooner because just because of the scale of everything. Yeah, and I think it allowed us, Jay, to kind of get our head around what a grid was on an island. You know, we we looked at sure. the generators, we looked at the new load bank, we we talked with Greg about Greg Kresky, that is about the uh, new integrations, the EV charging and the, and the new solar systems and things of that nature. And even those really cool, what was it, eGear? Those really cool um, controllable solar assets, you know, they were amazing. So um, <clears throat> we get a sense of the, of the scale of Molokai. And Molokai, as I understand it, has the potential to be the first island in Hawaii to reach 100% renewables. Is that right? Yeah, that's one of our goals. Okay. And then how about Lanai? Can you give us a sense of how that kind of fits into it? Um, there are some similarities similar? and some differences. Generation-wise, uh, you know, the load on the island is similar. Um, we have similar uh, generating assets. Some of the different things, obviously, is, you know, the island is mostly privately owned. And so mm -hmm. a large part of what happened in that island is dependent on, um, you know, Larry Ellison and right. how he wants to proceed. I see. Okay, and then in in scale and size, is it roughly comparable to uh, Molokai? Is it a little bit smaller? Or? Uh, electrically, they're pretty similar. Pretty similar, yeah. right? Yeah. So like maybe five, six megawatt kind of territory Correct. size. Yes, for the peak. Yeah. Right, and then here in Maui, how does this how does that compare to those those environments <coughs> in terms of just overall scale? Um, Maui Electric, the peak last year was around two hundred and ten megawatts. So. Okay. You know. So, so for, for obviously much bigger than Molokai and Lanai. Yes. How about just, if you don't mind, I like to geek out a little bit. I'm always trying to understand this. So how about Big Island? Where does that fit in the, in the, in the picture? Um, you know, geographically much larger, but electrically, I think it's slightly smaller than Maui. Right. Yeah. So not, not quite a peak of 180, no. like smaller than that. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think ours peak was 210. I think there's in the roughly slightly under 200. Right. And then, and then we're talking about these peak, we mean like the, the, the maximum amount of power that's required yeah, at, at a given any, moment? Yeah. At any given time, typically, you know, we measure that on a yearly basis. So when I say 210, it was the highest it was all year last year. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. And then how, I, have a, I have a question in that respect. Do, do you see growth? I mean, you must, you must track that kind of stuff of how much more power we're requiring of you uh, year over year. Yeah. Recently, we have been seeing a lot of growth. You know, I mean, if you... If you've, you've probably noticed that it's getting pretty hot. And those kind of mm -hmm. days uh, are typically what drive the peaks. You know, when there's not a lot of wind, um, it's muggy day. You know, of course, the peak is around 6 or 7 at night. So there's no solar generation. And that's when um, we really need to be able to uh, make a lot of electricity for folks. Wow. So yeah. it has been getting higher. In fact, uh, I think May, June, and July were all the highest uh, months that we've seen in uh, over a decade. And does that directly correspond to the heat, basically? Yeah, pretty much, I think. So it really is the air conditioning. Yeah, and the yeah. change. I mean, I think people have, you know, the higher heat has been making people buy more ACs. Yeah. And so, you know, that, that load is growing. Right. So we have growing load, and we also have growing distributed generation at the same right. time, right? right? So you're kind of balancing these things out. Right, right. When Just to round this out, what, we, we talked about the size of the, 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 the main islands. What about Oahu? How does that fit into the picture? Um, I'm not an expert on that, but I think the peak is around 1,200 megawatts. 
Okay, so really uh, like a five or six time multiple yeah, yeah. over over the outer islands, Correct. Or the neighbor islands. Yeah. Got it. Okay, great. So we got a kind of sense here as to how this all fits in together, right? Um, one of the on the last show, uh, Jason, we, we we talked with Chris Reynolds and, and Gregory Kresge, and we were talking about RFP Phase One. And for our listeners' mm-hmm. sake, these are the uh, requests for proposals that have been issued over the last year. Uh, and the RFP Phase One was issued about a year ago ish or something, and it's been awarded. And some of these are have already passed the Public Utilities Commission approval. A couple of them are still pending. This is happening on all of the uh, three companies and all of the. Five islands, I suppose, right? Um, one, two, three, four, five. Yep. <laughs> and uh, and so uh, so phase one was just for Maui, um, Oahu, and Big Island. Okay, it thank didn't you. Include Molokai and Lanai. Okay, got it. And then, of course, now phase phase one. And do you know in entirety how big that was? I can't recall off the top of my head, but I mean, we've got a. A big AES system that was approved for Maui. We've got a, a big um, uh, the the, the interject system that is you know pending through getting through the PUC. So uh, pretty substantial systems. You know, uh, sev- I think in total about seventy five megawatts Correct. of yes. power, and then a, and then about four or five x storage in there, right? Yeah, for Maui, yeah. Yeah. So um, that's that in and of itself is a massive change, right? Yes. And so we covered a little bit of that on the last show with Greg and uh, and uh, Chris. So now moving forward, let's kind of hone in on Maui because that's your area, right? Mm-hmm. Um, sorry to kind of put your feet to the fire on all the numbers, but mm-hmm. <laughs> but looking in at Maui with this new RFP phase two, I think the way where we left off in the last show, we were discussing uh, what the 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 that might look like in terms of our renewable energy penetration here in Maui. Uh, how and, and then I think we had heard something like by the time it was done in 2022 to 2025, we would be looking at an 80 plus percent RPS, almost hitting that 80 plus percent overall renewable. Not quite 100 percent, the RPS, but. Yes, that's what we're anticipating. Wow. So that's a, this is really arguably the largest or most substantial step towards hitting our 100% renewable energy mandate. And that RPS stands for Renewable Portfolio, portfolio what is it? You know what Re- renewable Portfolio Standard. Renewable Portfolio Standard. I forget about these. There's too many acronyms these yeah. days. You know, It's yeah. hard to keep track of them. So um, let's talk a little bit about w- how you see Maui County. I mean, you're really intimately a- aware of the generation systems, the distribution lines, the sectors, all the cool nitty-gritty. Right? Yeah. You've been doing this for a long time, yeah. and you're really acquainted with Molokai and I too. What do you see? In 2025 and beyond. I mean, what what's your can you when you when you go to lay down at night and you've you've you kind of finished your long day and you think to yourself, wow, and it's 2019 and in five years, you know, it's not too far down the road, right? Uh, our kids will maybe my kids will be going to college, so it, it's like, what's gonna what is now going to look like at that time, just around the corner? Yeah, well, I think the biggest change or one of the biggest changes is you know the energy environment is changing, and with that will come changes to the physical environment. Yeah, you know, I mean. Uh, Phase one had about 75 megawatts of solar, and you know um, that one one the AES project, which is 60 megawatts, is about 500 acres of solar panels. 500 acres. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so you know that's going to be noticeable. Um, yeah. so we're going to see it. Yeah, and so if phase two, uh, you know, we don't we don't specify we're kind of uh, technology agnostic, so we don't specify what type of technology uh, we request, but we ask for 295 megawatt hours. A year of energy right and so that's going to be another 100 plus megawatts if it becomes solar 100 plus megawatts and so you can think of it's going to be even larger than 500 acres so right now that 60 megawatts is about 500 yeah. acres yeah. so if it were another 100 megawatts of solar which Perfect. makes a lot makes sense probably because yeah. 
that's what's coming in at the best costing. Right. Right? And that's, that's one of the evaluation mm -hmm. criteria. Yeah. So it, we, we're likely to see a, what, a, almost a three, three times that, like about, can I say 1,500 acres? Would that be too much? A little bit less, 1,200, 1,250? <laughs> yeah, it kind of depends as, as technology gets better. The, point, the like, point is you're going to see it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's you know, be at least visible. as big as what we're already approved. But, but I'm trying to get a – but, like, if, if we actually probably – I hadn't thought about where what a 1,000 acres looks like in, in the valley until the recent fires because – Everyone was talking about, well, it's 2,000 acres, it's 5,000 acres, it's 9,000 acres, uh-oh, right? right? So then we looked down on those pictures and we said, oh, that's where it is. That's yeah. that's the scale of it. So 1,000 acres at minimum, right, mm -hmm. for this is, is, a, is a really substantial amount. Do you see it um, being – I guess it can come in in different, different locations around the island, right? It doesn't yeah. have to be centralized. No, yeah, um, the project uh, location is really up to the developer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, so uh, um, but because of that, you know, uh, a big emphasis on the phase two RFPs was, uh, you know, interacting with the community right. and going back to how we see things changing. I mean, it's going to take all of us to get uh, all of us working together to get off fossil fuels. And part of that is going to be that, you know, I think, you know, there's no silver bullet and every technology comes with pluses and minuses. And some of these are going to be uh, how much is what what's best for the community as far as you know, changes to our landscape, what are we willing to accept, what are we not willing to accept, what are we willing to look at, you know, those types of questions will become more and more, um, I guess, prominent in how we move forward. Yeah, I think we're in for quite a conversation, yeah. right? And, you know, there's obviously there's already some uh, opinions and dialogue about the uh, 15 megawatt above Maui Meadows. Uh, that's, that's engaged already. I think there's similar things happening on some of the other islands and on some select projects. Um, you know, Jay and I keep talking about this this uh, relationship. I think that you know it's it's interesting because a community sometimes they we, we as a community want to hit. I think most people generally accept this renewable energy mandate, right? Um, but then, there, of course, there's always little trade-offs, right? That's kind sure. of part of living together. So yeah. seeing these huge fields of solar systems, when I look at them, I don't think to myself, oh, no, that's a sacrifice, seeing those. I, I think to myself, whoa, cool, that's great. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I, that, but, but I guess that's not everybody's perspective, no. right? A lot of diverse opinions out there. Yeah. Okay. And so there's really no, nothing, you know, there's no best, but there's maybe what's best for us, mm -hmm. what's best for the community and, you know to get us forward, to get us moving forward. Do you do you ever, one of the things I think that Jay and I talk about, uh, and Jay, jump in at any moment here, buddy, but the the, sure. the notion of how the United States sees Hawaii, and specifically uh, HECO companies, can I say that correct? Yeah. Uh, it, it, they're, they're really, um, our, our community and this utility is really noted and kind of referred to and really ad, um, admirable kind of uh, uh, ways and, and you know from SEPA the smart electric power lines for example from other groups around the country when we go to these trade shows people oh what you guys are doing out there is amazing right so it's something that our community has the opportunity to I think be proud of you know in the future that we're showcasing this first ever I mean is there anywhere else in the country that's kind of at this level that you, you're aware of um, not not given the you know non interconnectedness of all the islands that's for sure right? yeah. in terms of like renewable overall renewable uh, percentages, it's, yeah. it's pr unlikely, right? Yeah. Yeah. So really leading the way, mm -hmm. we hear these metaphors and these kind of, you know, uh, little notions like postcard from the future, tip of the spear, we hear this stuff all the time in conversation, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. When you're out there day to day working on this and, and, and looking at these systems, I mean, do you, do, you, do you ever kind of think to yourself, wow, we're really, 
really leading the way here. This is an exciting thing to be a part of. Um, I, I think that more and more now, um, you know, I used to be more involved in uh, renewable energy as one of my, my previous positions. Okay. <clears throat> and at the time, although, you know, uh, I agree that the rest of the country looks at us as leading the way, sometimes internally, you know, uh, uh, in Hawaii, we're looked at as, uh, you know, less favorably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, well, it, it's kind yeah. Of, yeah. So then it's a great, it's a great point, right? So I think there's an opportunity there. I mean, you can see that um, uh, perhaps when we start to understand how far we've come, that there's an opportunity to say, hey, we've done something really valuable here, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, okay, okay. So, Jay, you want to jump in at all? Um, so looking looking ahead now, if we, if we finish this phase two, it does get approved. People kind of come together, and we can get these things going on. Um, it, what, uh, what happens after that? I mean, we have a lot of things going on. Josh and I love to talk about um, the electrification of transportation. It's going to be an increased um, demand on the electrical system uh, tremendously. We have some uh, rollouts of electric vehicles and, and public transportation already. Um, what's, what are the plans for that? Do we have a, a comprehensive um, idea of, of what it's really going to take to put that much energy out on the grid? <laughs> um, I think that kind of discussion is going to take a lot more than just the Hawaiian electric companies for electrification of transportation, you know. Um, that's what I mean, kind of like it's going to take all of us to, to get there. But for yeah. for the Hawaiian electric companies, we're definitely um, we're in favor of electrification of transportation and we, um, you know, we promote it as much as possible. So, well, let's 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 um, take a look at something that I think is going to emerge as a really strong narrative in this whole conversation. When, when we look at a post-NEM environment and we start to see that um, we get an RPS like 100% renewable energy mandate right uh, and then we see all of this utility scale stuff being put in right that's great on one hand on the other hand there's a lot of people that have tried to put solar in over the years and have, have had a frustrating time doing that I mean I'm a guy that's mm-hmm. put in probably about 500 systems ish right you know mm-hmm. in my tenure and uh, so we've seen that process and if, if you're someone now, I just had William Giese on. Um, Jay and I had a great chat with him probably about, what, two weeks ago? Uh, he's the uh, mm-hmm. executive director of the Hawaii Solar Energy Association. And he says, look, you know, you get all this utility scale going in. That's great. Fantastic. Um, but we have an industry and we have homeowners out there that want to put solar in. And, of course, they can. There's a We're kind of spoiled for choice in terms of all the different programs. But it's not easy to understand. And it's not easy from a solar person's perspective to represent that. <clears throat> Even if you, you're sitting there and you're like, literally the most honest person on earth trying to represent that clearly in the value proposition to to community stakeholders can be really tough to homeowners can be tough right so what do you think how do you how do you see this negotiation between individuals ownership of energy security having their own solar having their own batteries and utility scale operations that are up and running where do you see how do you see that taking and 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 do we need it does it does it help i mean i on oahu you almost need all the rooftops because there just isn't enough space uh for maui we we could survive with a couple large solar farms and, and not really need a lot of residential solar but would it would it help um for me I, I think of them all as like arrows in the quiver yeah so i mean i like to have as many eggs in my basket as i can you know um and you know it goes back to again how does the community want to move forward i mean maybe it's possible to do it all with utility scale but the community wants to have some rooftop solar or small systems. And so that's how we're trying to proceed. I mean, coming off of NEM, NEM was a long established program, you know, it was very mature. So everyone understood it. And since then we've been mm-hmm. trying to, I guess the market has been trying to find a program that 
that everyone can understand and live with and um and you know I think nationally there's been growing, even nationally there's been growing pains after NEM on what program comes next. And so what you see in Hawaii is us continually trying to come up with something that works for as many people as possible. That's great. You know, I just came off a, a series of recorded shows, which we haven't aired yet, with various um, uh, leaders of different companies in Hawaii uh, and Rising Sun and some other companies. And it was really interesting to sit down as, as, a, as a group of people that have seen that process and then, you know, re remember back to 2015 when NEM went away. Because at that time, really, you know, we had CSS theoretically, consumer self-supply, and we had the notion that we could use batteries. But from a practical perspective, we didn't have, uh, we didn't have, and I'm going to, a, there's a point here as well. We didn't have the uh, precedent for county permitting. We didn't really understand the application processes. We didn't, and the technology simply did not exist. It was like saying, okay, hey, um, you can go to Mars. You just got to build your rocket ship. <laughs> you know? And so very tough for an industry, right? And um, so now we're at this place where it's like, I know that people, what they want, I, I, I believe, I'll say that. I don't know what people want, but I believe people want is they want to save money, and they want to have the right to be able to put in solar if they if they if they can right, mm -hmm. and then CBRE, which is something we'll talk more about. They they certainly that's an opportunity for people to participate and that maybe not have a rooftop, for example. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're in a condo or whatever. Sure. Um, so I know that you know there's definitely this 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 kind of you know interplay, if we can say that, between you know this wonderful growth of renewable energies, but then, you know, what are the rights and capabilities of the individual? It would be wonderful, for example, for people to be able to just say, oh yeah, I want solar, and for it to be as basically simple as NEM, at least in discussion and value proposition, right? So um, it, let me ask, those are just some opinions there. So let me ask you something. What, what do you think about um, virtual power planting, uh, about grid services component of RFP phase two? The aggregator uh, conversation. The aggregator, yeah. yeah, yeah. What do you think about that? Is that a is that like a little opportunity in disguise for people to play a role? Yeah, I think so. I'm, I'm not sure how it's going to play out. Mm. But again, I mean, we're trying to make as many of these opportunities available to people and then see what, what people like. You know, <clears throat> we talked a little bit about how, how I guess, maybe the, the programs changed after NEM. But we've seen similar changes on the, although it's less obvious to people, on the, uh, you know, independent power producer side, you know, the large utility scale projects. Our first projects, our first contracts look much different than they do now. Yeah. Right. And so I think maybe when you first put something in, you give it your best shot, it works out okay. And that's the low hanging fruit. And as you add more and more, it becomes more and more complicated to get all the things you need and to make sure, you know, it's financially viable and all these different things. So even on the purchase power agreements, which is the contract we have with the large utility scale. Uh, developers, you know, it's gone through several different iterations. Right. And so kind of what you see in the latest RFPs is our latest version to try to make it, um, I guess, win-win as much as we can for everybody. So I get that. I get that. And thank you for that. Do you, do you whatever, what, what can we say about the grid services component of RFP phase two? Uh, and the reason I ask that is that I think that there is within the RFP, within this huge request for renewable energies from independent power providers, that's probably the, the unique area that people may play a role in. <clears throat> so I'm wondering, what does that look like? Do you, can you give us a little bit of background on that grid services? I know it's a tough one, but I, I myself don't understand it yet. So <laughs> I'm excited to get around, get a, get a head around it. So just generally, I think the grid services is that uh, people's equipment can help 
the grid in certain ways, depending on what the piece of equipment is. And I guess maybe a simplistic way to think about it is uh, like a demand response, which is one one sort of form of grid services, you know, and maybe people can turn off their uh, hot water heater during times of high load on the so grid. Reducing consumption. Right, right. So at the times, thing. yeah. And that, that's an example of a simple grid service. Like, so the utility would have a day where we think there's going to be a high peak mm -hmm. and we can kind of uh, somehow notify or communicate to folks that it would be beneficial to us to lower load and then there'd be some incentive for people to do that. Okay, we got just a couple minutes left here, Jay. Do you want to grab anything before we, uh, we, we finish up? <clears throat> um, just that that whole I mean I, I find that whole thing fascinating if you have you have a, a large group of uh, small systems all functioning as one unit we've kind of seen some some um, examples of it working in the world I mean how much value is does that have besides the obvious how many kilowatt hours did it export for the for the for the month but I mean if you're, you're helping to push things back into 60 Hertz cycle or that is, is there value there for the utility that, that above and beyond the, the kilowatt hour mark or is it is it more difficult to sell no I, I think there's value there I mean you know we're kind of laying out there what we need to operate a grid and we would like to mm -hmm. use whatever resources are best suited for that and in some cases if you can if you can meet the load by generating less, I mean, you know, that's, that's better for everybody. So what does that, Matt, what does that look like? I'm just trying to get my, uh, trying to understand the basic what it looks like. Does, some, does a group come in and say, okay, we want to be an aggregator, and we are going to go out and, 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 and create a, a program of 1,000 homes that are willing to, in your case, participate in this reduction of load system. Yeah. Is that what they're proposing to you effectively? I think, uh, you know, without going into all the, the little details, I guess, I think they would commit to a certain level, say, you know, I can, I can supply 50 megawatts. And mm -hmm. then behind, they'll go and, uh, you know, aggregate all these customers. Maybe they'll aggregate 100 because at any given time, you know, 100 megawatts worth. At any given time, you, you know, not everybody will be able to participate. Mm -hmm. Maybe some equipment mm -hmm. will be broken. And then so th their benefit, their contract with the utility would be, say, for 50, and their contract with the customers would be for 100 in aggregate. I and see. then through that, they can kind of manage and meet the needs of, of uh, what's requested of them. Okay, well, this, um, thank you. Thank you for that. And that's, and as usual, we, uh, we've got a, probably another... 10 times that to cover, but that was really great, <laughs> Matt. Uh, this has been Matt McNeff, the uh, new uh, director. Can you give me your title? Director of Maui County. Director of Maui County. Congratulations on the promotion and on all the all the cool things that are happening here uh, with Maui Electric, and uh, we really look forward to uh, continuing the conversation, learning more from you and from your, your fine colleagues over the upcoming uh, years. All right. Thank you for having me. All right. Hey, folks, this Very has been... Very appreciate it. Yeah, there you go, Jay. <laughs> this has been a great show. We are sponsored by LG Chem, Pantech, Design, and Sundrum Solar. Have a wonderful weekend and Aloha Friday. Or sunscreen.